Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Eric Rogers, the owner, operator, and CEO of Rogers Fitness Academy, natural born leader and entrepreneur. He is a rare breed and man of many aspirations. Even though fitness and bodybuilding are his absolute passion, there is so much more to him than just a six pack. I've been working on my six pack, as a matter of fact. Who am I kidding? I I, I keep I've been working on a six pack for like a thousand years. And <laughs> uh and I've had it and I lost it. It, it it's like uh it just comes and goes, man. People who can hold on to it, I'm I'm envious. Uh we're, we're gonna get in, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh Eric has right. persevered through some of the worst thing a person can endure, homelessness, addiction violence, abuse, mental health disorders, incarceration, and more. Uh, during his darkest moment, Eric has thought about um, ending his own life, came close, uh, and at that moment, he decided to pursue a disciplined life and focus on fitness and nutrition. Welcome to the podcast, Eric Rogers. <sighs> Thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it. What's Good up, intro. E? Yeah, man. How much, man? Just I'm enjoying my life right now. It's today's a good day. You know what? I, I, I let's start right there because what I love about what you just said is that I'm enjoying my life right now. Today's a good day. Yeah. Because that's all about being present. Because I, I don't know how I'm gonna feel about my life tomorrow, or, or right, <laughs> right? Or, or a week from now. But right yeah. now, I'm enjoying. My, what are you enjoying about your life right now, Eric? Talk to us. Man, I. Just being alive, first of all, you know, anything past that day that I, you know, try to commit suicide has been a blessing. Obviously, lots of hardships along the way, but just my perspective on it. Um, I feel that I'm I'm finally free uh, in, in, in a way of I'm not bound by my depression, by my, you know, dr drug abuse and trauma. And, you know, I've, I've just let go of everything that, that held me back. And I think that's the biggest part of it. And when I slip back into things that I know held me back, I start to go back or, or the moment I'm not disciplined, I start to go back and I start to have that negative mindset. And so really my routine makes it a good day for me. My discipline makes it a good day for me. I'm, I'm constantly proud of myself. And that's really what I try to focus on. Like, how can I make myself proud today? And you know, how, how far can I take it? And I enjoy it. I just, I just love it. How can I make myself proud today? One of the things I want to highlight that you also said, Eric, was my routine makes it a good day. It, it, because that denotes that it, it's because your routine is in your power, right? Like you're not, you're not waiting for some external thing to happen for someone to call you or, you know, a pat on the back. It's your routine. Tell me more about that, Eric Rogers. Yeah, man. So my routine serves me. I, for a long time, I served it. And, and what I mean by that is when I got off the drugs and I started the disciplined life, I spent a couple of years being extremely disciplined to the, to the point where I was waking up super early every day, like 3 a.m. I was doing exact steps every day. I didn't miss a step. And that's what I needed at that moment. But it came to a point where I, you know, st stopped, it stopped working 
right? And so every once in a while, I have to change what I'm doing in my routine so it doesn't become robotic, first of all. And the other thing is, so it fits what I'm struggling with at that moment. And some some days I struggle more. And so I'll input different things in in my day. Um, But as of today, I woke up. Um, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I went on a walk cold outside. I watched the sunset or sorry, sunrise. And, you know, I headed back home. And as you know, as I walked, I was just naming the things I was grateful for. And the fact that I could go on that walk and I didn't have to go to work. So I'm on business now and um, came home and hit the stair stepper. And then I just started getting to work. Um, I, I do every morning. I do some affirmations and I do some visualization. I I really try to keep an aspect of what I'm trying to reach for, where I'm trying to go. And I just, I always have that in the back of my mind. So I have something to be driven towards. That's what keeps me disciplined because I know that there's certain steps I have to do every single day to get there. Um, And and then obviously like my meals, I'm very strict with my nutrition and um, you know, my workouts as well. And spending time with my family, I put that aside as part of my routine as well. And, you know, some days I need to relax a little bit. So I'll cut down on the meals and I'll spend some time with my family a little bit more and I'll, I'll eat some food that they want to eat. So it just really depends on the day. Um, and I really, I really try to, you know, I'm starting to more relax on what, what, I guess I could say for a long time, if I slipped at all, I was really hard on myself and it started driving me into my old ways and my depression. And so what I had to do is let go. Right. And, and you know, laugh a little bit, love a little bit and enjoy my life a little bit. And since I've made that transition, I'm able to stay extremely disciplined, laugh, love, make, make money, provide for my family and live the free life that I wanted to. So that's awesome. Talk to me more about that, you know, when you slipped up being hard on yourself, because uh, a, a lot of us, uh, you know, we, we try to get everything to be so perfect. Everything has to be just right. And to the point where sometimes that could either paralyze us where we don't make any moves at all, or when we do make a move and then we slip up or things don't go according to our plans or don't meet our expectations. We beat ourselves up. We either punish ourselves or, or punish other people. Yeah. Um, talk to us about like, what was your, what was your self talk like before and how have you changed that? Cause you, you t- also talked about affirmations. Yeah. Um, well for 16 years, I was addicted to drugs from the age of eight to 20 uh, 24 years old. Um, and during that time in my life, obviously my self-talk was destructive. It was very destructive, um, to the point the only way I could shut it off was drugs. And and when I was under the influence, I didn't have bad self-talk. I was good. I was feeling good about myself. Um, it's, it's funny. And a lot of people talk about this, but it's like when they get sober, it's like almost like life falls apart. Like now we, we don't have control over emotions. Like we're not coping like we used to. And so our self-talk starts to decline. And there's a long period of time, like about two years. And I still struggle with it. Total honesty. I still struggle with this 
gotten a lot better. And that's why I have to do affirmations to put myself in the right mindset. And I got to continuously tell myself these affirmations throughout the day. And I'll make sure I do. Um, but there was that transition where, man, I, I couldn't stop those thoughts of just self-doubt and low self-worth and hating myself. And it, it obviously took a lot of time to get through that. But the biggest thing that helped me was seeing a, a result in my life from the work I was doing, you know, and, and letting go of the past and, and doing a lot of forgiving myself and other people, but mostly myself, all the mistakes I made. Um, a little bit about my past, I was, you know, raised in a small town, 419 people. And Everybody knew what I was up to. I was a extreme meth addict. I was homeless. I was jobless. Like people saw me as shady. People saw me as sketchy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's my wife. I had it on do not disturb, but I apologize, brother. They always find a way through. Got yeah. it. I turned off. Do not disturb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. She's the only one that can get a hold of me when it's on Do Not Disturb. As she should be. That's and she's love right there. That's that is love. love. And she's at the grocery store asking me what I need. But I, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, growing up with the whole community seeing me as a certain way, right? I had a reputation uh, and it wasn't good. And grow, even, even before that, I, I was a troubled child. Um, since the age of seven years old, I was, I was sexually molested by my Sunday school teacher at seven, um, which added so much trauma to my life. And I never told a soul till this year. It caused a lot of self-sabotage in my life, a lot of struggle. And I pushed people away. I hurt people. I lied. I, I cheated. I stole. And I was known as a bad character, right? And a villain in my town. And um, because of that, my perception on myself, I identified myself with what, what they thought of me. And so when I decided to change, it was hard to break that perception, right? It was, it was very hard to see myself as worthy enough because all the energy around me, all the people around me had this, this identity that I was labeled as. And over years of, of being told these things and not being accepted, you know, you start to believe it. And it was true, a lot of it, but it wasn't anymore when I got sober and when I got my life together. And so I had to do a whole lot of, I had to stop giving a fuck. Right. And that, that was a big transition for me. I had to stop caring what other people thought of me. And that just took, a huge chip off my shoulder took a long time to do that. Uh, I still struggle with it, but not as much, barely any at all. Um, and I just started to identify myself. I started to identify myself. I, you know, I started to walk around with this new identity of who I was, not, you know, who I am and not who I was. And over time, I mean, if you'd ask any of those people now, they define me as inspirational, motivating and hardworking. Right. So, you know, I learned that, you know, when you can take control of your self-talk, 
and identify yourself, you'll start to believe it. You'll start to become it through your daily habits. Their perception will catch up. It will. Take, take me back a little bit, uh, however much you're comfortable. Yeah. You know, you're seven years old and sexually molested. Uh, talk to me about your home life at that okay. moment. Were both parents home? Did you have siblings? What kind of household did you grow up in? So I grew up in a, in a really, I'd say, if you were looking from the outsider, you asked my brother and sister what my home life was like, they'd say it was amazing. And it was in their perception. It wasn't in mine um, because of what happened to me. It changed who I was. It, it destroyed me. And actually, a week after that happened to me, I knew I had to go back to Sunday school. And I was scared to tell anyone. So I decided I was going to handle it. I, I went to Sunday school um, and I poured bleach in her coffee and I tried to kill her. And she got really sick. She didn't die, but I was scared. Like now I was going to get in trouble for <laughs> poisoning my, my Sunday school teacher. I could laugh about it now. Right. Um, and that's what shut me up for the rest of my life for 16 more years. That's what kept me actually. No, I just started talking about it this year, 2022. So a lot longer than that. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's 20 years. <laughs> so the way it changed me is I became extremely violent, like angry temper tantrums. And I've been diagnosed bipolar disorder, like two bipolar two. And so that's probably has to do a lot with the trauma that I went through. Um, I saw that I could take care of things and not get in trouble. So that kind of stuck with me. I started to like um, be resentful, retaliate violently to people, punching holes in my wall, drawing on my wall. I was, I was a crazy kid and I was treated differently than my brother was, or my sister was, especially by my father. My father was a, a Folsom prison guard for around 25, 30 years. And, you know, he grew up in a bad, you know, he's got his own story. It's, it's even worse than mine. You know, both his parents died by the time he was 13. They killed themselves. They committed suicide. Uh, my dad, you know, he wasn't raised by parents. He didn't know how to father. And he did the best he can. I believe that. And I thank him for all the good things. You know, I know how to work hard. And I know I'm, I'm driven. I got that from my dad. I'm disciplined. I got that from my dad. Uh, but he didn't he didn't like how I was acting. I was disrespectful. I was negative all the time. I didn't listen to shit. And um, and I was disciplined a lot for that. And so the whole time, what what came out of that was me not trusting anyone, especially authority, first of all, because of what that lady did to me and then how I was treated for my bad behavior when really I was just acting out because of the trauma I went through. And every time I was disciplined for it, I didn't feel it was fair because of what, what I went through. And so, the, you know, it, it got to a point where I was told a lot that I wasn't good enough. I was told that I was either going to go to prison or I was going to be extremely successful. <laughs> I was told that um, I, I'm a mama's boy and I'll never be a man my whole life. I was told that for a long time. Um, 
And so, as you can see, like a lot of the self-doubt kind of stemmed from that. Like my dad, he condoned my brother and sister, you know, tag teaming and making fun of me my whole life. And then I'd go to school and I'd take it out on some kid. Right. And so I'd like go prove to myself that I wasn't these things every day at school, getting in fights, getting in trouble. And it was just chaos, bro. It's chaos. What's crazy is if you would, like I said, if you ask my brother and sister, you know, what their life was like, they, they're like, like, that was not my life. Like life was good for them. It was good. Uh, all eyes were on me. All discipline was on me and they didn't really, it, they, it wasn't happening to them. So there's a, there's a big split in our family. Um, and, and there's not, there's a, there's a lot of boundaries that I've set for them. And even talking on this podcast and all these podcasts I've been on, they've had a lot of, they've had a hard time of me talking and telling my story. Um, and, you know, I set that boundary. It's like, Hey, like you're not, you're not supporting me. You know, you're not family anymore. Like they still see me as struggling. They still see me as messed up shady. Right. And that's not who I am. And so I've, just, just like, I actually heard that from them, you know, around a month ago that they still see me as a struggling kid. And it, it made me happy because I don't see myself as that anymore. And that was powerful to me. Right. Because for a long time, that's how I identified myself too, because that's what they always thought of me that I've always struggled. Right. And so, you know, that was my childhood. Um, and you know, at the age of eight, I, I got into some of my mom's painkillers and I learned that I really loved them. I learned that they numbed me. I, I learned that they, they allowed me to enjoy life and to, it, it took the pain away, the internal pain that I had and it calmed me. And so from that moment on, I've, I've always found a way uh, up until four years ago to stay, to stay high or to stay drunk and use whatever drugs I could get my hands on to do that. And I even went from like using, like drinking a whole bottle of Robitussin or two bottles of Robitussin, taking some, you know, drama, mean dizziness medicine, whatever I, I could, I just try everything. And, you know, I wasn't doing it for fun. I was doing it to shut off the pain and, you know, all the, all the bad thoughts. And so I, I could consider myself to be, I've been suicidal since the age of eight or the age of seven. Um, and I still deal with it. You know, that's actually one of the things that drives me is I wake up every day. Like I'm building a life that's worth living. And if I, if I fail, if I fall off, like look, my fate is, I know it's kind of messed up, but my fate is going back to where I was. What do you mean your fate is going back to where you was? So like if I slip, this is how I, this is weird. And it's probably if every, any therapist heard this, they would say, that's not healthy. <laughs> you, you probably shouldn't think like that. Like we need, we got to fix something here, but like, I'm still suicidal. I have those thoughts still, and I don't know if they'll ever go away, but it drives me to build a life worth living. And because of that, I have, and I'm happy with life now. But if I become undisciplined, if I slipped or I fail in a way of, you know, failing my 
I don't know, my family or my vision, then I see myself kind of slipping back into that darkness. But because I, because I don't want to, I'm so driven every single day to be disciplined. I'm so driven every single day. And if, I guess if I didn't have that, that negative side to me, that darkness to me, I don't think I'd be this driven to be so positive. That makes sense. Absolutely. You know, and, and I love that you said th that darkness um, at, at, as a reframe from saying this negative side of you. You know, right. Carl Jung talks about our shadow side. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, having a shadow side, a, a darkness isn't um, an issue. Uh, it's not acknowledging our shadow side that yeah. becomes an issue. You know, we all have, we all like to pretend like, uh, we're, we're peaceful, loving, caring, kind individuals uh, that yeah. just wants the best for everyone. And uh, we can all <laughs> just gather around this campfire and hold hands and make marshmallows. Uh, but but the truth is, is that, uh, is that uh, you know, being human, right? Being a human right. means that uh, we're going to experience both uh, feelings of love, joy, and kindness and hate, despair, and disgust. Um, and, right. and that we, we both have this inherent need to grow things, to create things, to give life to things, and also this uh, feeling of destroying things and you know, suffocating things and yeah. uh, contracting things. And, and that's just the nature of the universe. That's why I love studying about the stars and astronomy and and just looking at how the universe works you know uh, i was reading about the uh, the black hole and it's a star that was shining used up its oxygen and then uh uh becomes a black hole and but then it rebounds and shoots back out into a supernova so it, yeah. it it's both giving light and darkness like that's that's just right. a part of the human experience so i applaud you for being able to acknowledge that and, yeah. and recognize that versus act like, no, nah, everything is good. And uh, I, I don't have those thoughts anymore. Yeah, man, I, I'm fully aware of what I'm capable of. Mm. And I've done some really nasty, bad things. You know, when I got into methamphetamines, I became extremely addicted to a point where, like, I had people that were doing that shit for 20 years tell me, like, bro, you need to slow down. And I was like, no. And those people, you know, that I hung out with were some of, you know, the most, most notorious prison gangs in, in the country, right? Like some bad people that I didn't affiliate with, but they accepted me. And so I was around the crowd and I seen some evil things. I've watched some things. I've been around some things that I don't think a lot of people would be able to, to comprehend, you know, and, you know, I know what I'm able to survive. I know what I'm capable of, but I, I have established a lot of self-control, you know, it's something that like uh, Jordan Peterson talks about, like, you know, you should be a monster, but be in control of it. You know, that's, that's what a man is. And I feel like I've accomplished that. I love that. Be a monster, but be in control of it. Right. Don't, yeah. don't be this, uh, uh unwielding beast. Uh, running about um, that could, you know, when I played college football, our coach would always talk about controlled aggression, right? Yeah. It's like be aggressive, but direct it 
towards uh, the good of the team and the purpose of the team versus, yeah. you know, don't get into a fight after the whistle's been blown. Don't hit the guy because now we're going to yeah. get penalized. Now, now you're out of control and you're hurting yourself and hurting other people. You're hurting um, the team. Yeah, too. you're hurting yeah. the team. You're yeah. hurting the, the bigger. I see you have a, a map behind you, Eric, and it got yeah. has a few pins in there. Are these places that you've gone or places that you want to go? These are my clients, actually, how many clients I've had in the last two years. Oh, fantastic. Um, how many people I've helped. And I, I love it because it, it, you know, sometimes we forget what we're worth, what we're worth, like what we've mm. accomplished. Yes. And I, you know, I try not to define my worth on anything but how I see myself. But I look at this map every day. And I see that, you know what, I've helped a lot of people in this world, in this country, and it feels good. It, it keeps me going because sometimes it's slow, you know, sometimes nothing happens. And it's just, and I believe life does that to, to get us to think and be a little more creative and, and pivot. But this reminds me that, no, I've actually, you know, I've helped a lot of people. And if I could help one person or save one life from all, you know, all the pain that I've been through, then it was all worth it. And so that helps me reflect my cat actually gets up here every night and pulls the pins out with their mouth. So I'm missing a few, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Take, take me to that moment where, uh, and I feel like maybe there's probably been more than one moment, but take me to that, that moment where you wanted to end your life. What, what, what calm, what brought you to that point? So, um, when I met my wife, when I cleaned up, um, off the hard stuff, I met my wife and out in Truckee, California, which is in Tahoe. And, you know, we, we drank a lot together. We partied together. We didn't really no no drug use, but just a lot of alcohol. And, you know, over a, a few years, we both became pretty dependent on it. And I was still running from my pain, you know? at that point, I was still running from my pain and, you know, it, it hurt our relationship a lot, our marriage a lot. And, you know, it got to a point where, you know, me and her were fighting all the time and it was, it was toxic. And I, you know, actually she woke me up one night and she's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, Oh my God. Right. And that was like the moment she quit doing alcohol. She could quit drinking. She got sober. She got her life together. And I'll tell you what, like, we're both sober now. And she was sober. Then just the sweetest person, a complete 180. Uh, but I didn't quit. So I carried along that addiction uh, while she was sober. And while my son was brought to this world and at the age uh, when he was about one years old, um, I got, I got so bad and toxic to the point where, you know, my wife, she decided I wasn't a good fit to be a father um, or a husband. I was really hurting them. I was being ex extremely destructive to the family and, and making decisions and choices that I never should have made. And they left and they moved out of state. And so I was no longer allowed to see my, my son or my wife. And, you know, that was the third time uh, I had lost everything. And this was only about three years ago, actually. Um, it was the third time I'd lost everything. I was just left alone. I, I hurt. Again, I hurt everybody in my life and nobody wanted me. And, you know, it just took me back to that place where I wasn't accepted. And I was, I, I was a victim. 
complete victimhood mindset. And I, up until the day I decided I was going to kill myself, I was a victim since the age of seven. I always, I never, I never thought it was my fault. I always thought it was someone else's fault and that I should be tolerated. Right. And, you know, about four months later, they left. I decided I was going to get back on some drugs and I was going to up the alcohol and I was going to be more, more destructive in my own life. And it got to a point where I realized like, you know, what, like there's no way get getting out of this pain. Like there's no, there's only one way. There's only one way. And so, um, you know, I, I was sitting on my bed one night and had drinking a whole handle of, of whiskey to myself. And that was pretty normal. And, you know, on a work night too, like that was normal for me, you know, to put it in perspective of where I was at. And, you know, I decided like, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself. And, you know, I took my Glock 23 out and I realized that I, I, it wasn't a cry for help this time. There was a lot of times where it was this time. I wasn't telling anybody. I wasn't leaving a note. I, I was, I was going to make the decision and I, I loaded it and I put the barrel in my mouth and I was just sobbing. I was, I was screaming. I was, you know, I'd slobber coming out like all, you know, my whole face. And I was just like, it was it. And I had my finger and I was putting pressure on that trigger and something clicked and it wasn't the trigger. Thank God. But I, I had, it was like a panic attack and something clicked in me and I, I know it was God. And it was the first time in my life that I realized it was my fault that I was here. Like I hit rock bottom. This is the very, like I hit rock bottom so many times, but I kept digging. This was the actual bottom. And it was the first time in my life that I realized that I'm the reason why I'm there. It wasn't my Sunday school teacher. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't my family. It wasn't my wife. It wasn't anybody. It was, it was my fault. And it was a crazy feeling. I've never taken accountability. And I just did. And I pulled that gun out of my mouth. And I decided that where I, I basically realized that my past actions got me to this point in my life. And I pictured my son being, you know, calling another man dad. And I pictured my wife being loved by another man more than I could ever love her. And out of selfish reasons, like I pulled that gun out of my mouth and I realized that my actions from now on could also change my future outcome. And I put that gun away. I got some sleep. I woke up, you know, nothing really changed immediately, but I started to try. I told myself that I was going to give myself a year. I was going to give myself a year to make my life worth living. Otherwise I was going to kill myself. And I, I started putting in the work. I replaced the alcohol with, and the drugs with, with the gym. And one thing I realized quickly is that my genetics are pretty good, <laughs> which is awesome. And I hadn't eaten bro for like 20 years. straight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, or 16 years, I didn't really eat that much. And so I was sucked up and skinny and, you know, and I was like, whoa, I'm good at this. And I, I just decided, like, I started, re, you know, finding ways to cope better. And it, it, it became an obsession. And I started getting better. And actually, 
I, by the grace of God, I stopped, I stopped craving the alcohol because my main objection was to be that father and it was to be that husband. And I didn't really tell them that I was getting better, but I was going to show them and this was going to be it. And, and I became extremely obsessed with it and then extremely disciplined with it. And about a few months later, I called her and I was like, I told her what I was doing and where I was at. And I, you know, I told her that I'm, you know, this is, this is who I am now. And she wanted me back. It was, it was quite insane. Um, and from, from that moment on, I realized like that if I can stay on this track, then I'll gain everything back that I lost and I'll live a life that I, I never thought possible. And, and it just, it just kept snowballing into good and better things and, you know, better opportunities in my life. And, you know, I'm with my wife now and my son is four years old now, and I've put on 85 pounds of muscle and I own a business. Uh, I'm pretty successful coach, performance coach, and I help people, you know, every day. And, and the cool thing is I built the program based off the steps I took to get from that rock bottom back to my wife. And I'm watching it change other people's lives too. And so it's the greatest feeling in the world, bro. I love it. I love that you said I, I, I figured out how to get from rock bottom back to my wife you yeah. know not my life but my wife you know that, that's such a, a a beautiful sentiment and uh and yeah. so you two have been together for how long we've been married for seven years going on eight and we've been together for about 10 uh i believe something like that we got married pretty early pretty quickly yeah you know, it's pretty i've actually known her my whole life since i was three years old and wow you know, same small town. She grew up in that small town, 419 people. And we all knew each other. I just never talked to her until I seen her in Tahoe and I realized she moved there and I pulled my moves. I, I never really dated anyone because I was always high and focused on other things and fighting. And, you know, I was sober and I saw this pretty girl and I was like, I'm going for it. And we ended up being soulmates and she's my hero, bro. Absolutely. Like, She's the first person I ever felt love from my whole life. I didn't feel it from my family. I never felt it from my brother or sister or my mom or dad or, or a friend or any other girl in this world. But she made me feel love. And it, it changed my heart. It's like the Grinch stole Christmas, bro. Like straight up. Like my heart grew three times larger. And then I fell off the deep end again. And that's I needed that. I needed to know what it, you know, what it felt to lose like something valuable to me because before I didn't have, I didn't see anything as valuable, you know, like my, my parents kicked me to the curb at 17. I was like, cool. You know, I, I don't need you. I never needed you. And I'll lose my job. It's like, cool. You know, I'll figure it out. i never, it never really pushed me to that place where I had to change until that day. You know, earlier you talked about setting boundaries with your family. And, yeah. you know, waking up with this uh, drive and motivation to succeed and, and move forward. Talk to me more about setting boundaries. And, and, and I want to put, put uh, add some context to that because 
a lot of times when we think about boundaries, we just think about people, about like, here's what I will and won't tolerate from this person, and here's what I need, and here's here are my expectations. However, there's also boundaries I feel that we need to set with the work that we do because, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I can work 24 hours. And, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to go above and beyond. I want to wake up early. I want to stay up late. I want to do more than what the clients are asking from me. And, yeah. and so I, I'm finding that it's not about just setting boundaries with other people, but setting boundaries with myself and making sure I'm not overextending myself. So then I don't fall into feeling resentment or resentful or angry or even exhaustion. And then yeah. deciding I don't want to do any of it. Do you find yourself struggling with any of those? Yeah, I actually do. I'm like I said, I'm my superpowers is drive. I'm like, you can't stop me, bro. And so, yeah, I have to set boundaries with myself and, and tell myself when to quit and stop and, and relax and, and rest. And, you know, I, what I realized is it got to a point where I was working so much on myself and my business and my world that it started to fail. Right. I'm sure you've felt that where you're just like, it, you're starting to stress out. And like, there's a lot of people talk about this where almost like the less you work, the more you get sometimes, like you don't have to work a hundred hours a week to be successful. Like it actually might hold you back. Right. Because you're feeding something that's, that's actually hurting you. You know, like you talked about the darkness, it's good to know your darkness but, or the, the aggression, the controlled aggression, that's good to have controlled aggression. But if you take the control away, it starts hurting you. Right. And I, I feel it's the same with drive. I feel it's the same with, you know, focus and success that it starts to hurt us if we don't control it and shut it off sometimes. So I, I definitely uh, deal with that. And, you know, I get a little friendly reminder of my son and my wife every day that that helps me to, all right, uh, my son's growing very quickly. I need to go spend some time with them and, and play with them and enjoy, enjoy life a little bit right now. It, was therapy involved at any point in your recovery? Um, so the only therapy I've ever had was state mandated anger management courses uh, <laughs> uh, back in, in high school. Yeah. I put a kid, I, I hurt a kid very bad and I, you know, got expelled and, all sorts of things, but no, man, I, I have had therapy. Um, and I, obviously I believe in it. I do believe in it. Um, I, because I'm a coach and I do sort you know, I, I am kind of a therapist in a way. Um, but I've always, and it, it's probably has to do with, with my authority, authority problems. I have a hard time trusting other people with my brain. And I feel like, you know, I got it. Like I know myself very well and I know what's good and bad and, and I know what helps and I know what hurts. And I've like found the remedy and I worked hard to do it. I, I really don't, I have a hard, I have a hard time, you know, if that makes sense, like having people trust or trusting people to, to see my brain because I've, 
a lot of people don't understand it, even though I show it every day, like with through my content and through this, this podcast right now, like I'm intense in what, what I've been taught is like that intense, like, you know, not everything has to be so black and white. And I don't, I don't agree with that for some people, for some people, I believe that everything has to be black and white. Like you have to be extreme. Like I don't see anything of you know, any other way, like I'm an extremist with everything, but I have to choose to take that extreme in the good path. And, you know, and like I was talking about, like, if I don't, if I don't stay disciplined, I'm going to kill myself. You know, most people would say like, that's not healthy, bro. But for me, it's, it's powerful. And it's what drives me to stay in the right direction, no matter what, like, no, you got to keep going, bro. Like, you know, and it's sustainable for me. I don't know if it is for everybody else. So, you know, what I love about that is you talk about having to remain disciplined to stay sober and stay on track. And, uh, yeah. you know, right now I'm going through a, a sobriety program myself for a, a different uh, type of drug. And it, there are phases that, and, you know, that's, I think that's been the key thing for me to realize that. Yes, in certain phases, depending on what phase you're in, it requires a different mindset. And, and you know, and, and so it sounds like you're in that place of where, like where discipline matters so much. It's almost like when you go to boot camp, in boot yeah. camp, you have to be so disciplined for those three months or, yeah. you know, six months or, or however long that you're in boot camp for, depending on what you're in camp for. Uh, everything has to be at the same time. Everybody's on the same page. We can't have any gaps or anybody falling behind. And yeah. and then as you progress, then we can we can be a little less. We can be a bit more relaxed. I don't want to say less disciplined, mm -hmm. but we can relax. And because and so it sounds like for you because you're in this place of you know I, I'm I'm married. I have a kid. And I'm, I'm creating, I have this new program. Um, discipline yeah. is so important. And so I'm only emphasizing that to say for the listeners out there is to be aware of what phase you are in in the process to yeah. know that, to know when you can move from being so disciplined and so structured to then maybe we can be a bit more relaxed. And then maybe we have to come back to being disciplined and structured again because the, right. the terrain has changed and shifted. And so now right. we, you know, and uh, it's like if, it, you know, if we want to join the military, you have to be very disciplined and structured for the boot camp. Then we can be more relaxed once you're in. And then if you want to become a, a Navy SEAL, we got to go back to the, the discipline and structure again. And then once you're in, right. we can relax a little bit. So it's that ebb and flow of yeah. discipline and relax uh because if we're all disciplined or all relaxed then it has diminishing returns i, I don't know if that's how you feel about that eric but i, yeah. I really just want to clear that up for the listeners out there no i like that i i do see it that way because i go through you know times where i wouldn't say i'm less disciplined but because i'm i'm always disciplined in my mind you know, like I said, I, my routine serves me, you know, I don't serve my routine anymore. 
So before it was like, I have to do this or I'm, you know, gonna die. But now it's like, I, I could be disciplined and wake up at eight. You know, it doesn't before it would affect me. Like if I accidentally didn't hear my alarm and I woke up at eight before I beat myself up, like today's ruined, you know, and that just drove me to destruction until the next day. Right. I had to start off the day perfectly. Otherwise it, it was no longer, you know, a good day. And, you know, I think that I'm, I'm transitioning maybe into that more relaxed, um, you know, I don't, for what you call it <laughs> system or uh, state. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, my, my gr- yeah. Cause my girlfriend is very good about, she goes to the gym at the same time every day, goes to bed at the same time, eats at the same right. time. And I was feeling like, Oh my God, I should be like that. If I'm not like that, then I'm, I'm undisciplined. You know, how, how will right. I get anywhere? And it's like you said, um, w- w- the true mastery is learning how to be disciplined with flexibility. So, okay, maybe I typically wake up and, and go to the gym, but today I'm feeling like I need to have like a one hour meditation session or I need to right. journal first thing. And then I can go to the gym at lunch. So yeah. I can, I'm going to work out, but just not at my typical time. Yeah. And so, yeah. and that's where we learn how to trust ourselves and yes. trust our system. And yeah. we, we don't feel so tense about, oh, I didn't eat uh, 20 grams of protein at, and now, you know, my yeah. day is over. Yeah. I think at first, a lot of the discipline I was focused on was physical mm. and since in the last year or so I've transitioned into more of an emotional discipline, you know, strategy to where I, they, they combine. So they, they work with each other because the more discipline you can get with your body, the more discipline you can get with your emotions. And, and what I mean by that is like controlling your reaction to things, especially your own thoughts, like your own view on yourself, because we, I know a lot of your listeners are especially in this podcast are like, they're beating themselves up right in in their own thoughts They're So to be disciplined enough emotionally to be aware of what you're saying to yourself and be able to control and stop it and and replace it, reverse it with a, a good thought or an affirmation is in my opinion, that's my goal. And that's what I've kind of achieved. Right. And I'm continuing to achieve. It's a lifelong process for sure. Um, but like if I maybe stay up to watch a movie because we're busy. So I'll stay up sometimes with my wife to watch a movie just to spend some time with her. I'll sacrifice some sleep and I'll wake up a little later the next day. And when those thoughts start racing, like, oh, it's eight, like I should be done. I should have 10 wins by now. And I start beating myself up. I can eh, stop, like stop. It doesn't matter. Let's start now, right? Let's start now. Let's, you know, if we got to start on meal three, because we're at this point in the day today, that's okay. Just don't, because what happens is when you beat yourself up and you're trying to be disciplined, uh, you're going to be like, oh, screw it. Let's just go get McDonald's. Oh, screw it. Let's keep snoozing, right? Let's keep snoozing. And and it just goes to the, you just start funneling into destruction and you got to have a big reset to which is the usually a rock bottom in some type of way where you like you know you find yourself at the bar drunk again and now you're in a fight and you're like oh <laughs> i need to get back to my old life right 
So controlling, you know, my reactions emotionally to my, to my own thoughts, like that, that demon inside me, that darkness inside of me, that's constantly trying to pull me back and tell me I'm not good enough is like my biggest goal. And sometimes I, you know, it's good to test it. Like, I'm going to wake up at eight. I'm going to, I'm going to beat that devil today. You know, man, I absolutely love that. You talked about, you know, when we beat ourselves up and start catastrophizing, you know, we start funneling towards destruction and you answer the question that I had in my brain because earlier you talked so much about, you know, letting things go. And I was like, how do you let things go? And when you said uh, to say, all right, let's start now. Yeah. You know, it's a way of letting go of the past and saying, all right, but right now we have control right now. We, we have choices that we can make to move forward. And, and earlier okay. how you talked about, you know, I can, the decisions I make right now can, can, will determine the type of future that I have in the way also that I feel about myself. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I love the, the mindset. We, we have a few minutes left. Well, you know, when you're working with your clients, uh, do you have a structure that you're taking them through? Are there steps that you're taking yeah. them through or acronyms? Can you can you briefly uh, share those with us? Yeah. So with every client um, and I have different programs, I have just like fitness, nutrition, you know, if you're just focusing on the body and that also comes with mindset stuff, then that's pretty basic as far as like I, I get to know you. I build you a program to fit your goals and your struggles and I help you along the way to get your goals and help you through your struggles. Um, but I have, you know, my elite program, which is my main focus and you know, I have a vision strategy session with my clients and that's sitting down and, and reading, you know, getting into their mind with them and, and figuring out what it is that they actually want on like, what, who are you on, on your best day in 10 years from now? Like, who do you wish you could be like all limitations aside, you take a limitless pill, who could you be? Right. And they're like, they get some thinking and they, a lot of people don't even think about this stuff. And I think that's a huge problem in society. And so I get them to think about that. And then we kind of reverse engineer it and figure out what we have to do on a daily basis to get to that vision. And then, you know, I'll send them over materials that maybe they struggle with time management. They, they have no control over their time. They're always, maybe they work too much and they're always stressed out. So we'll do stress management, time management. Uh, maybe they struggle with self-doubt or oh, I'll, you know, build them an affirmation routine and I'll give them a non-negotiable task list. Like these are the steps you have to take every day. And, you know, we'd check in with them once a week so we could see where they're at. And a lot of them are like, Hey, I'm doing really good with that. All right, let's pull that. Let's see how you do without it. Right. And so I'll adjust that routine as we go till it serves them perfectly. And it's something that's sustainable is my main goal. Something that doesn't take a lot of their time and gives them a good result. And then obviously fitness and nutrition is a big part of it. I believe that, um, you know, if we can control what we ingest, then we can master ourselves. You know, I, I believe that we find pleasure in the things we put in our bodies in every orifice, right? So like, if you can control what you put in your body, even though you have so many options out there, so many cravings, so much, many commercials or whatever, if you can control that, like you can do anything. Like 
much respect to people that get on stage with 3% body fat. Like, you know, like that's hard. That's very hard. Like it's easier to quit drinking alcohol than it is to quit, you know, to walk by a French fry and not grab it and eat it or a jar of peanut butter. Right. So really trying to tap into their mind through their stomach is one of my, you know, one of the things I do. And then the workouts as well, really just like fixing some of the facts that they hate about themselves. A lot of people need to lose some weight or want to feel better about themselves physically. So we do that. And then, you know, one-on-one meetings with them every week. And then I have a community as well that I built where we all come in together every Saturday and we go over a topic of mindset. Uh, Last week was like, was all about self-talk, like how to change your self-talk to positive self-talk and, you know, it's really cool, man. I, it's, it's great. I put a lot of time and effort into them and I'm learning. I'm learning a lot along the way. I'm not Tony Robbins, bro. Like I'm no master at the mind. I I've mastered my mind, but everybody's different. And so I'm here to learn too, and be humble and just try to, just try to help people figure out themselves and, and, and how to get better in, in every way. I love it. And how can people reach out to you? Um, Instagram's the best way to reach out to me. I'm, I'm the most active on it. So that's at the real underscore Eric Rogers. And you could also find me on www.rogersfitnessacademy.com to see like what my clients have said about it. And um, if you're, if you're looking to, you know, look into the program at all. I love it. And then last question I always ask of all my guests, because I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them, Eric Rogers? I would say if I can say one thing to somebody that's ready and this is a tough question, you know, cause you know, if I, I put some thought behind, I'd probably want to write out something perfect, but I don't think there's anything perfect to be said in that situation. Right. You know, I believe that everything's going to be okay, no matter what I believe that, but I also believe that you had to get to this point so that you can realize, so that you can learn to be grateful for nothing but your breath, nothing but the breath you breathe. If you can be grateful just to be alive and breathe, then you are unstoppable. So if you got into that point and you haven't pulled the trigger, you're fucking unstoppable. Like I'm, I'm a testament of that, right? Like I'm unstoppable. I didn't pull the trigger and I'm grateful for my breath every single day. I had to get to that point to get to this point. And I would have never seen this day if I pulled that trigger. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you so much the listeners for tuning in. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. You call on the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or the other international phone numbers that are listed. If you're in Saudi Arabia or Mexico or Sri Lanka or, or the Ukraine, you know, whatever's going on over there right now, Canada, there are international phone numbers listed in each and every single one of the show notes. Also, if you want to reach out to Eric, you can go to at the real underscore Rogers 
on Instagram and Eric Instagram. Rogers. Oh, Eric Rogers. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, say it again. It's what is it? It's, your... it's the real underscore Eric Rogers. It's the all right, real underscore the, Eric. The real. The real. <laughs> See, right. yeah, I'm gonna put a link. I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. Thanks, uh, bro. Check them out there. Um, and you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one on one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thanks so much, E. No problem, brother. Thank you.